first thing you got to learn is you don't listen to losers because it's the fastest who gets paid. Fire it up when you're ready. Fire it up. Fire it up. And it's a race from here on, no matter what happens. He's got him this time. Here they come on turn four. Must go faster. Welcome to Running Hot Action Network's Motorsports Betting Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Giffen, predictive analyst here at Action Network. And joining me, my co-host, Stephen Young of Rotor Grinders, better known as Stevie TPFL. And this week, we're talking bets for the Enjoy Illinois 300 here on Running Hot. Last weekend, Ryan Blaney won the Coca-Cola 600 in absolutely dominant fashion, leading 163 laps. He won stage three. And that gave him his first win in 60 races. William Byron continued his strong season with a runner-up finish. And Martin Truex Jr. rounded out the last podium position. So, Stevie, we had another wild Coca-Cola 600. 16 cautions, a red flag for rain, and a lot of good racing, I thought. What do you think? Well, first of all, it was one of the most exhausting race weekends working in a long time. It was awesome being there just... Raining, not raining, not on the radar, sitting in my hotel room, looking outside saying, please stop raining many, many times. So the race was fantastic. This car is so good for the 1.5s. Denny Hamlin was talking about it on his podcast where we should get rid of the Roval and go back to the Charlotte Oval. And I couldn't agree more. Like watching that race saying like, give me 400 miles of that race. Like sign me up. This car has gotten 1.5s figured out. I know they'll figure out the short tracks. I know the racing's terrible on the short tracks right now. They'll figure that out. But yeah, I mean, the racing was phenomenal. I don't know what was more shocking. Ryan Blaney winning with a dominant win, like you mentioned. Okay, Ryan Blaney winning doesn't shock me. Ryan Blaney is one of the best drivers that we have in NASCAR. So it doesn't shock me. Winning in a dominant fashion shocked me. It wasn't like, hey, he was like a fifth place car and he won. He was the best car all day. He was dominating William Byron on restarts. The only mm-hmm. reason William Byron finished second is because his pit crew was on rails this weekend. So and he had that first pit stall, which yeah. uh, every time he pitted within the top four, he came out first. Yeah, I mean, they were pumping out really good pit stops, but you, you gain about six to eight tenths from that number one pit stall at Charlotte. And Darlington's another one that's huge when it comes to where the timing line is, but it's not a big advantage like that everywhere, but it was huge. Um, and he was just there. The pit crew was doing their thing. Give them a shout out because I mean, yeah, the advantage is nice, but they were crushing it. So I was shocked. HMS really struggled with speed. JGR, they were fast. Like we thought they were going to be Penske was better. Like Blaney was great. I'm not going to take anything away from Blaney Logano. He was a comer or goer. HMS, I mean, they struggled, man. Uh, I'm interested to hear your thoughts, but they just struggled. I don't know if it was they were set up for night because once it got nighttime, that last like 150 laps, we started to see Hendrick really kind of benefit from that. So I don't know if they were just set up and with all the rain, not being able to make adjustments to the car and stuff, if that really just kind of affected them or not. But that's the only thing in my head that makes sense. But yeah, I mean, it was a fantastic race. Like the 600 is always really good. It was a dud for like many years, but there was a ton of crowd and it was just, it was a great race. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're right. And, you know, Larson, I mean, they made wholesale changes on Larson. They, you know, went under the hood, I think, to maybe adjust suspension parts and stuff like that. I just twice. Yeah, it was a mess for HMS, obviously, outside of maybe William Byron, who, you know, still didn't have the best car. He kept falling back on each of those stints after he'd get the first place position back after the pit stops. So definitely a little bit of a struggle for them. I am going to pat myself on the back a little bit for that call on Penske on the Fords. You know, it just felt like this was the right spot to be on them. And so I did hit Blaney 30 to one. Didn't give that out on the podcast because Blaney was 30 to one earlier in the week and he had moved shorter down to 22 by the time we recorded this podcast, but I did hit Blaney 30 to one outright. So that was good. One other big piece of news, Chase Elliott suspended for this race at Gateway thanks to a retaliatory incident on Denny Hamlin. What'd you make of that situation? I mean, we all saw it. We knew it was on purpose. He got the car straight and he turned left. You can see it in the end car and you can't do that. I had someone argue with me on Twitter and they posted like Larson and Denny's mix up from earlier this year. Not even close, not even remotely close to the same thing. The closest thing that we have is Bubba Wallace and Kyle Larson last year. Bubba Wallace is suspended for a race. They suspended Chase Elliott for a race. Whether you like it or not, whether you agree with it or not, they set what they were going to do last year. They did it. They followed through. They made the right call. Dale Jr. was talking about on his podcast, and I thought it was really interesting. Had Chase Elliott been able to keep going in that race, he didn't get as much damage as he did, and he was able to keep going. Would it have been interesting if NASCAR parked him there, and then he could have raced at Gateway? I think that would have benefited Elliott, really. So... I mean, missing a race, being suspended for a race, is it the right punishment? Who knows? Should you turn anybody on the right rear at 180 miles an hour into one of the worst parts of the track? No, that's how people get killed. And honestly, we don't want to see anybody get killed and we don't want to see anybody get injured at all. So I think they made the right call. I think Chase was just aggravated. His car wasn't great the whole race. Denny had run him up the track twice. Kozlowski and someone else ran him up the track a couple of times, like, with this car and how arrow it is in these coming out of the corners, it's really easy to push somebody up the track and kind of lose the nose. I'm not saying Denny lost the nose. I think Denny just ran him up the track and Chase got frustrated, but you can't right rear hook anybody. And I think like Chase cooled down sitting and not like worrying about getting suspended and like being able to like talk about it openly. He would be like, yeah, I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. I think he knows like they're not going to appeal it. There, there's nothing to appeal. So yeah, I mean, they made the right call on that. You can't do that. We don't want to see anybody get hurt. But really quick, Nick, dude, the Indy 500 was fantastic. That was awesome. Monaco man. was Monaco. No passing. <clears throat> we knew Max Verstappen, if he got the pole, was going to win the race. He won the race. Not even close. But the Indy, Indy 500 was great, man. Like, seeing how the strategy changed and how, like, pit stops kind of played and, like, Penske cars were able to move up and... I'm interested to hear your thoughts really quick. I know we're talking NASCAR, but hey, we love motorsports. Just your thoughts on, do you like the green-white there, or do you think it should have ended under red? Honestly, I'm fine with the the finish that we had there. It didn't help my bets any, so that's one thing, but I'm totally fine with the the finish. You know, we want to see an exciting finish, and I'm okay with the finishing under caution, too, in this case. It wasn't a, you know, a big messy cleanup or something like that. So it was a pretty quick red and then go back, you know? So I think it would be one thing if it was like just kind of a disaster and things were all over the place, just end it there. So it's a bit of a judgment call. I I would like to see IndyCar maybe set a rule on 
we're always going to try the red flag and finish under green or there's a cutoff point or something like that. So I think it'd be good to have a rule. I also think it'd be good to have a rule to not go below the white line on the pit straightaway. I'm fine with it on the back straightaway because there's no pit <laughs> yeah. stops there. No attenuator, pit wall attenuator, no pit crew members. But barreling down towards pit road at 200 plus miles an hour, man, if those guys had made contact, that could be an absolute disaster. So I'd like to see a rule where they don't go below the white line just on that part of the track there. So those are my thoughts on on the ending of the Indy 500. But we got to get to the gateway preview here. We are heading to Worldwide Technology Raceway, a.k.a. Gateway for 300 miles of racing. Gateway, a one and a quarter mile flat track with nine to 11 degrees of bankings in the turns. And so, you know, that definitely puts it on the flatter side of things. So while we do consider this a shorter, flatter track, it is over one mile long, meaning NASCAR will not be running the low downforce package that they ran at the other shorter flat tracks like Richmond, Martinsville, and Phoenix. So that definitely changes it a little bit. So, you know, aero package aside, we saw a race at Gateway last year with this exact same package. What do we think the racing will be like this year at Gateway? I mean, I might be on the opposite side of most people here, but I'm glad we're not running the package that we've been running and not see any passing with. So I'm hoping we see a little bit more passing in this race. But I mean, it's tough, right? I think the best comp is probably Nashville, another like very similar, longer flat track. We're going to use Richmond and Phoenix to comp it a bunch as well. How do I think the racing is going to be? I mean, I think that a racetrack like Gateway will make it where Ford, Chevy, and Toyota will all be strong. And I think when you have that kind of racetrack, the racing is going to be good. So it'll be fun to watch. That's my takeaway. I mean, you look at last year's Gateway and Nashville races, they were kind of all over the place. I know Kyle Busch was really fast at Gateway and Martin Truex Jr. was really fast at Nashville. And like Denny was fast both places. So I think JGR is really interesting coming into the weekend. Hendrick with their speed that they've had on flat tracks this year. I mean, they're obviously, I think, the favorite coming into the weekend. So I think the racing is good. It's just whether or not you could pass. And like, we'll see that very early in the race. How much is track position going to matter? I think it's going to matter a bunch. And it just really comes down to how much can you pass? Yeah, I agree with that. I think the extra downforce will help the forwards. I also think the fact that this is a lower tire wear track will help the forwards because that's where they really struggled is, is tire wear. So this is going to be a good race. Last year's race was fantastic. Last year's gateway race. And there's multiple grooves of racing here. And with yep. the exact same aero package, et cetera, I, I think we're going to have a good race. So I agree with you there. Um, remember, this was the race last year where Ross Chastain got into Denny Hamlin and into Chase Elliott. And they both just hounded him like crazy uh, for the rest of the race there. So should be a good race. In terms of you know how we're handicapping the race, you mentioned a couple of similar tracks. How exactly are you handicapping drivers for this race? Yeah, I mean, I think, like I said, looking at Phoenix and Richmond for this year type of data, I don't think I want to look at the all-star race because there just wasn't a lot of time on track. And the high tire wear at that racetrack is going to be so much different than what we're going to experience this weekend. So Richmond, Phoenix for this year's like comps and then like last year's comps, this race last year and Nashville, I'll kind of bunch those together and kind of weigh them all differently and just try to get an idea of who's going to be fast. And when you do that, I mean, like I said, like you see anything from like Hendrick being fast, JGR being fast, and then like Blaney and Logano. I don't want to say all of Fords, but Blaney and Logano and Harvick being fast. So it should be interesting. Like you said, a multiple groove racetrack. If we are going to get passing, it should be, it should be a good race. And again, going back to like the Chase Elliott point, what Larson 
and Denny had to deal with and all that stuff for like Chastain, not even close to what happened with Elliot and Hamlin. So you, know, you can't give Chastain all the crap when he's not right. We're turning anybody on the straightaway. Also, we could potentially see somebody like an Al Marola sneak in there. He finished fifth here last year. He was 17th at Nashville. And this year, he had a really good car at Phoenix, but he had some bad luck with a loose wheel that ended up cutting a tire or something weird like that. Finished 13th at Richmond. Yeah, sixth at Martinsville. So I think we could see an Eric Al Marola sneak in there as well from the Ford camp. But I agree with you. I think this would be Chevy, Toyota, and a few, a handful of the Fords here. One other thing I will say about handicap in this race Last year, practice was very indicative of race speed. If you just look at like five or 10 lap results from last year, it was basically all the guys at the top finished near the top. Even a guy like Eric Jones finished inside the top 10 and practiced inside the top 10 on the long run. So, you know, definitely we want to pay attention to practice this week. So I'm probably going to keep my bets on the lighter side before practice, and I'll try to go a little bit heavier after practice. But with that said, it is time to dive into our bets. As always, we're going to take you a lap around gateway. That is four turns, one pick from each of us per turn before we drive into victory lane. So we're going to take the green flag and drive into turn one. This is Ryan Blaney and we're running hops. All right, Stevie, let's get it uh, going here with your turn one pick. Gonna go to Alex Bowman, top 10 plus 105 at BetMGM. We love us some BetMGM. This line is pretty much juiced everywhere, and getting this at plus money over there on BetMGM definitely want to take advantage of that. Fifth highest driver rating at Richmond and Phoenix this season, six in speed in those two races, top 10 finishes in both of those races. Started bad last season at Gateway. They made really good adjustments and got a lot better towards the end of that race. Like if you look at his running position and where he finished, they made a ton of adjustments. If you look at like late race speed, ton of adjustments in the right positive way. So I think they're going to start on a positive note here at Gateway this weekend in practice. And I think Alex Bowman getting him at plus money for a top 10 anywhere is a really good bet right now. So like Alex Bowman, Top 10 plus 105 over on BetMGM. Yeah, I'm not going to disagree with that as all. And, uh, you know, it's just going to be a little sneak preview of things to come with Alex Bowman. So I don't need to add too much more there. For my turn one pick, I'm going to go to a driver that I think is just strong at this track type always. And that is Christopher Bell. You can get his top five at plus 195. Bell, like I said, at these shorter flat tracks, he's awesome, especially since, you know, he joined JGR, Joe Gibbs Racing in 2021. He's had top five finishes in seven of his 18 shorter flat track starts. Now, if we were to just do the math on seven out of 18, that would equate to about plus 160 fare. We're getting plus 195. But that also improves to over the last seven shorter flat track races. He's finished in the top five four times, including three top two finishes. So he's really even gotten better at these tracks. I mean, he's just overall gotten better as a driver as he's gotten more time in the cup series. And that's kind of what we see in the, you know, the experience and the age curve, the more races you get under your belt, you eventually end up hitting kind of your peak as a driver. So he's just coming into his peak years here. Christopher Bell looking again at those 18 starts with Joe Gibbs racing at the shorter flat tracks. He has a median finish of six and a half. So just to, to finish in the top five, he only has to you know, really do one position-ish better than that. So this should be a lot closer to even money. I'm not going to say it'll be even money, but I have it around plus 140, plus 150 as fair value. So plus 195, just way too long here for me for Christopher Bell's top five. Yeah, I like Bell a lot. We're going to talk about him later in the podcast as well. He's good at this type of racetrack. And we saw him 
it's so hard to judge Christopher Bell by Xfinity because JGR's Xfinity program is just on another level, but this mm-hmm. is a racetrack type that he was really good on in Xfinity as well. So a ton of interest in Bell here. Yep, that is for sure. So that is it for turn one. We're going to roll the center into turn two. I'm Denny Hanlon, and this is turn two here on Running Hot. All right, Stevie, what do you have for us in turn two? I'm going to go to a group bet. I feel like we haven't talked about group bets in the last couple of weeks. And these are one of my favorite bets early in the week because it's pre-practice and qualifying and they always move. So group C is Bowman, Briscoe, Kozlowski, LaJoy. LaJoy in the Chase Elliott car this weekend. That's why he's in this group. Saw Josh Berry fill in for Elliott at Richmond and Phoenix. There was speed in that car. I don't think LaJoy should be in the group of Kozlowski, Briscoe, and Bowman. I think LaJoy is a good race car driver, but... Looking at this, Bowman, like we talked about, best average finish at Richmond and Phoenix this year among these four drivers, best average speed at those two tracks. Overall, I think it's really close between Bowman and Keselowski. I have a lot of interest in Keselowski this weekend as well. My model is giving Bowman the slight edge, so I'm going to trust it a little bit here because I do like Bowman a lot this week. So getting Bowman in this group at plus 250, what's interesting about this group is Bowman, Briscoe, and Keselowski here early in the week are all plus 250. With LaJoy, I think, plus 310. So pretty even among these three. And I, I think it's close. Briscoe is good at this type of track too, but I'm going to go Bowman plus 250 and take the Hendrick speed over the other two guys and LaJoy this week. Yeah, I think that's interesting. And we should mention, as you said, Corey LaJoy in that number nine car. Normally he's in the number seven Spire Motorsports car. Now he's going over to the number nine to fill in for Chase Elliott. Filling in for Corey LaJoy in the number seven Spire Motorsports car is Carson Hosevar, a truck series regular who will be making his Cup Series debut. So that'll be interesting as well. But I got to agree with you here for my turn to pick. I'm going to stick with Alex Bowman. Three of our first four picks here are Alex Bowman, if that tells you anything. We just think he's way too undervalued this week. My Bowman pick is plus 150 over his teammate, William Byron. Now, I do favor Byron here, but I think this is just far too long on Alex Bowman. Bowman did win this matchup last year between the two at Gateway. And in fact, if we look at just the shorter flat tracks this year, so, you know, Richmond, Phoenix, if we include Martinsville, Bowman has beat Byron in two of the three shorter flat track races this year. So once again, I'm, Byron definitely should be favored, but these races can get a little random and it's not always that the faster guy wins. And when you have two teammates, they should be running pretty close to each other, we'd think, because you know they're teammates. They're going to have similar setups and uh, they should have similar speed. And based off of just this track type this year, They've been pretty close. So I think plus 150, just a little bit too long here. So I'm going to roll with Alex Bowman plus 150 to just beat one driver instead of three other drivers. Yeah, I mean, if you look at Richmond and Phoenix, Byron definitely the better by far. But if you look at Nashville and Gateway from last season, they're very, very close. So getting this at plus 150, I don't hate it. I like Byron a lot this week. Listen, it's a common theme. I feel so good, by the way. Like, not to get off too far here, but I feel so good about my preseason Byron to win the championship bets. Those lines have moved big time. I mean, I think we got it at 16 to 1 or something to start the year. So feel really good about that. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree with you there that, you know, those preseason calls were right on the money. So that is it for turn two. NASCAR betting season is here, so get in on the action with the king of sportsbooks. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code ACTION and get up to $1,000 paid back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 
Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Must be 21 or older to wager, 19 or older in Ontario. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. Call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 800-889-9789 or call 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, and Utah and other states where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. Now we're going to drive down the back stretch and barrel into turn three. I'm Austin Dillon, driver of the number three, and this is turn three here on Running Hot. All right, Stevie, lead us into turn three here. Not on purpose, but William Byron, top five, plus 130. This line is anywhere from minus 110 to plus 110. So it seems like plus 130 is great value here. Like Bowman could beat Byron. They both can still finish inside the top five with the speed that (laughs) Hendrick has had this season. So Byron is first in speed at Phoenix and Richmond, by far the best car at both of those races, 3.0 average running position in those two races. We know that HMS has had the best speed by far this year on these, this type of racetrack, different package. I get it. He's been great in qualifying, which if he's good in qualifying this weekend, it's definitely going to move this line. So going to jump on this because I don't expect it to stay this way for long. So give me William Byron top five at plus 130. There's there's no way we can't jump on Byron, especially his upside, at, you know, top five, something like this, just given how he's driven this year overall. And then, like you said, first in speed at both Phoenix and Richmond, probably the two best comparisons we have this year. So definitely like that one for me, though. I'm going to get away from this Chevy love a little bit because I think there is some value in Toyota being the winning manufacturer at plus 240. Now, I do think the Fords are going to be good. Obviously, we think the Chevys are going to be good, but I still like Toyota at plus 240. I mean, their whole lineup is probably going to be strong here. Even somebody like Ty Gibbs, he's absolutely crushed this track type in the Xfinity series. And, you know, he's had a couple good runs in the Cup series so far at this track type. I mean, he finished ninth at Richmond and, you know, maybe even deserved a little bit better finish there. So I think Ty Gibbs is even in play, maybe not for the win, but crazy things happen. Why not? But obviously Denny Hamlin, Christopher Bell, Martin Truex Jr. all going to be very good here. I think Tyler Reddick should be very strong here. He was pretty solid here last year in an RCR car. I think that'll be even better when he heads to Toyota and Bubba Wallace has been performing out of his mind recently. So I think there's some value at Toyota plus 240 last year for the top nine finishers in this race were Toyota, including three of the top six. So literally half of the top six and the other three in the top six were Fords. And if they have taken a step back this year, right, if we see some of those similar trends where Blaney and Logano, Austin Sindrick, maybe take a step back, maybe uh, Kevin Harvick isn't quite as good as he was last year or just as good as he was. It still should favor Toyota a little bit more. Now, I do think Chevy will take a step forward compared to what they did here last year, but 
you know, overall, I think there's some value at Toyota at plus 240. Yeah, I mean, what is this line? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you look at this, if you just look at raw speed last year at Gateway and Nashville, and you take away all the other short flats that were running different packages at, three of the four best cars were Kyle Busch, JGR 18 at the time, Martin Tricks Jr. and Denny Hamlin. The next best was Ryan Blaney, or Blaney was third and Hamlin was fourth, but Three of the four best cars were Toyotas and we're getting them at plus 240 to win the race with six drivers and like six cars that are quality cars. Like we're not yeah. talking about like, sorry to put you on blast right now, but we're not talking about like Chase Briscoe and Eric Amarola where they're getting, you know, kind of weird Ford stuff. We'll just call yeah. it that or Harrison Burton type of driver. So <laughs> we're getting six really quality Toyota cars that all are likely going to have speed. Bell was in the top six as well in speed in those races. So Four of the top six. Yeah. Plus 240 is nice value here. Yeah. I, I appreciate the putting me on blast on the Allen Roll. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but that is a little bit of humor there in turn three. Stevie and I may be going door to door there into turn four. I'm Noah Gregson, and this is turn four here on Running Hot. All right. What do you got for us in turn four, Stevie? First of all, I wasn't going at you. I was going I at Stuart Haas. <laughs> <laughs> going at Stuart Haas. Love Tony, but man, they're struggling right now. But they give are. me give me Brad Kozlowski top 10 at plus 140. So here's the thing. You can wait to bet this until after practice to see if Brad has the speed or not. Because last year at these races, the speed was terrible for RFK. They've hit on something. They're a lot better than they were last year in these two races. So we look at Richmond and Phoenix, they were sixth and best average running position in those races. Top 10 speed in both of those races for Keselowski. Eighth in driver rating. Just kind of had some weird issues, whether it be pit road or running into people or just getting involved in little things that cost him top 10 finishes in both of those races. So I think if he can avoid those little issues, he has top five upside if they have that speed. I don't think this line's going to move too terribly crazy. So this is one that, you know, you can definitely write down, see what he's at at practice. If he has some speed in practice, I think that they've obviously fixed what they were running with last year. So as Nick likes to say, this is more of a lean than it is what I'm actually betting, but I'm leaning heavily to this depending on what type of speed they have in practice. Yeah, I would agree with waiting to practice on this one because it is, you know, obviously RFK has improved a lot even since the beginning of last year, but it still is a little bit of a question given the fact that, you know, this is a different package from Richmond and Phoenix in terms of the arrow stuff. So it'll be interesting. It gives me a little bit of question on somebody like a Chase Briscoe, who's been very good at the shorter, flatter tracks this year, but has been bad in the intermediate package. So even somebody like Chase Briscoe, I'm very curious, which Chase Briscoe are we going to see? Are we going to see the lower downforce Chase Briscoe, shorter flat track Chase Briscoe, which has been better? Or are we going to see the worst one? And so wait for practice. Similar mindset for me with Keselowski. I think he's going to be much better in general. Is he going to be top 10, top five upside? Or is he going to be maybe 12th to 15th you know, in the practice charts there? So definitely think we should wait for practice. But I agree with you. I would lean towards Keselowski here based off the improvement we've seen. For my turn four pick, I don't have an official pick. So this is one I'm waiting for practice as well. But I'm going to take a look at some of these long shot, maybe top 10 flyers as we look at practice so again i don't know exactly who yet but some names that stand out to me michael mcdowell you can find at 12 to 1 at bet mgm aj almondinger 7 to 1 he finished 10th here last year justin haley's 9 to 1 dinger's teammate there todd gilliland 14 to 1 he's had some very strong finishes this year he's back in that number 38 car this weekend which you know zane smith piloted an rfk car 
last year, I believe it was, to a pretty strong teens finish. So Todd Gilland in the number 38, I think he's got a good shot to make some noise as well. So, you know, we just got to wait and see and practice. And then these guys have speed near the top 10. It doesn't have to be top 10 speed, but as long as it's, you know, in the top, I would say half of the field, then getting them at these odds for a top 10 finish seems like a pretty good deal. As I mentioned last year, AJ Almendinger finished 10th. Justin Haley, his teammate, finished 14th. So that shows some good team speed there. So it can be done if the right driver or team hits it here at Gateway. And if maybe one of the big teams misses, that opens up. You know, last year, I think HMS missed it just a little bit. So if that happens this year with one of the bigger teams missing it just a little bit, I think these guys can sneak into the top 10. It's just going to be a matter of who. And I think that's where we look at the practice times. AJ Allmendinger finished 10th in this race last year. They started terrible with this car. It got way better throughout the race. He had really good, like, if we wanted to do speed by segment using some loop data, he had really good fourth quarter speed. So mm-hmm. that's a good starting point coming into the weekend with notes, same package, same tire. Like that one. Seven to one is really good, I think. Dinger would be my favorite to jump on early in the week if you're going to bet one of these. McDowell's my second favorite. Started bad. Really good middle, terrible end. If they can Mm -hmm. figure out what they were doing at the middle of that race, he's going to have top 10 speed. He had top 10 speed in the middle of the race. So McDowell is always good with strategy. We were like, oh, the crew chief leaving. That's going to change. It hasn't changed anything. They keep taking challenges and making the best out of the challenges with the less speed here for Michael McDowell. Yeah. And his average finish between Phoenix and Richmond, nine and a half. So pretty good there for Michael McDowell. At heavy breaking one. tracks, like short flat tracks, heavy breaking tracks. So like AJ Allmendinger, McDowell, these guys that are good at road courses really mm-hmm. benefit from using a lot of brake. Absolutely. Agree with that 100%. So that is turns one through turns four. That means We head to the start finish line and we take the checkered flag and drive into victory lane. So Stevie, what is our victory lane pick? We are both on this one. When we were talking earlier, Christopher Bell, 11 to one to win the race. We like to finish victory lane with some victory lane, right? Like that's the thing. Like we're not going to hit every single one of these, but we feel good about these when when we're talking about them. But yeah, Christopher Bell at this type of racetrack, if we look at Nashville and Gateway last year, he was third in speed, third in driver rating. He was right there, or this year, sorry, Phoenix and Richmond, third in speed. So really like him coming into this race. He was fast last year at both of these racetracks. This is a type of racetrack that Christopher Bell's good at. If he comes out and he qualifies well and he practices well, he's going to move. So this line's going to move. And what's good about Bell this week, right, is how groupings work with qualifying. He has Blaney and Truex and Harvick in his group, but some of the other drivers in his group, because of how the finishes were for the 600, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., he's not good at this type of racetrack. Austin Dillon, Ty Gibbs, Daniel Suarez, they struggle at this type of racetrack. So I think Bell gets into that final group, gets the track position early in this race, and really benefits from who he's qualifying against this week. So Christopher Bell, 11-1. to I don't always look at qualifying order, but I think when you're looking at like betting outrights, it's good to try to get someone you think is going to go into the final grouping. Yeah. And just looking at last year's finishing results of the top 10, only two of the top 10 finishers started outside the top 13. So track position is still going to matter here. It's not going to be maybe super crazy important, but again, it's only a 300 mile race. It's not a 400 mile race or a 500 mile race. And it is a 
shorter-ish, flatter track that does make it a little bit harder to pass, especially compared to you know the mile and a half we've seen this year. So track position is going to matter, and that's where, like you said, if Christopher Bell can sneak into that top ten in qualifying, that's going to give him the track position he needs to be able to attack and and win this race. So right there with you, I love Christopher Bell this week. He would be my favorite outright. I haven't bet him yet at eleven to one, but I'm gonna you know kind of keep contemplating, see if things move around a little bit, and maybe just wait for practice and qualifying because my model is right on the borderline of eleven to one as fair value on Christopher Bell. So for me, it's more of like a, a lean just because, you know, my model just shows it's like right there, but I definitely like it as my favorite outright bet if I had to pick one right now. So that is going to do it for us. Thank you for listening to the Enjoy Illinois 300 episode of Running Hot Action Network's Motorsports Betting Podcast. We'll be back this time next week to talk about bets for the Toyota Save Mart 350 at Sonoma Raceway. Going back road course racing for our second road course race of the year. Really looking forward to that one. On behalf of my co-host, Stephen Young, thanks again for listening. And we'll see you back here next week on Running Hot from Action Network. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.